Welcome everyone to another episode of the Good Milf Podcast. Good Milf Podcast with your host Krista. It's fucking wild. Hello, lovers. Happy belated International Quirky Alone Day. Not a belated Happy Valentine's Day. You heard me right. International Quirky Alone Day. It is the other holiday that is also celebrated on February 14th. And oddly enough, it's been celebrated globally since 2003. And the theme of that holiday is the title of this episode, Love Thyself. Very Shakespearean. I'm here for it. Also kind of fitting because this is my first solo episode of the year, so that's fun. Or depressing, depending on how you look at it, you can decide, it's whatever. But honestly, I actually prefer to spend my holidays alone. Less disappointment, there's no expectations. Um, The only thing I have an issue with the International Quirky Loan Day name is that they need to definitely rebrand it. Because Quirky Loan Day sounds like it was invented in 2003. It is not timeless. You know, definitely should rename that, rebrand it, whatever the fuck, make it a thing. I don't fucking know. But speaking of rebranding, my cousin Shane, he's been on multiple episodes, definite co-host favorite. And we were having a conversation about Kim and Kanye, duh, because they're all over fucking social media, fucking trending. And we discussed if we thought Kim would still get free Yeezys if they were going to get a divorce. And now with a little sprinkle of Pete Davidson in there, is he only going to send him with the kids? Is he going to be petty? Like, what's he going to do? I mean, he can also checkmate Pete and send Pete Yeezys too. But I mean, would Pete even wear them? Like, who the fuck knows? Anyways, but back to our rebranding PR plan for the divorce. So essentially, we thought of how this would work in the end. Um, I'm sure there's some kind of prenuptial agreement, but whatever. This would be a great PR move. Kim gets Yeezy brand in the divorce because, hello, she's Kim Kardashian. And she's studying to be a lawyer, or she is a lawyer. I really don't know which one yet. She changes the name of Yeezy to Skimmies with a Z. So it's spelled S-K-I-M-M-Y-Z. Since Skims is a very neutral, clean lines type of aesthetic, Skimmies definitely has to go very, very trendy. Their first ad campaign will be the 2000 Y2K aesthetic, and Julia Fox is their first model for it. Boom. Signed, sealed, delivered. Mama Chris, please send your check to Shane and Krista out in Virginia Beach. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Anyways, back to loving thyself. Valentine's Day was the probably like, I don't know, by the time you listen to this a few days ago, last week, whatever the fuck ever, a few weeks ago. But honestly, if you weren't with your boo thing on Valentine's Day, you are definitely not the first choice. Not saying that they're cheating on you or that you're the sneaky link. It could be work or some other hobby that's more important than you are. I mean, it is what it is. But in honor of this quirky alone day, I am sharing my secret single behavior. So secret single behavior is essentially anything you do when you're alone and no one else is around. It comes from sex in the city. And I think the number one 
thing I read about people's secret single behavior is that they talk to themselves. Um, I don't really think that's like secret because I'm sure everyone talks to themselves or like sings to themselves, sings in the shower. Even when you fucking after you had a fight with someone and you realize that you could have said something way more effective in that argument and you reenact it in the shower. I do it all the fucking time. Everyone does it. So don't really think of that as secret single behavior. But that is the number one that was listed in this um, article. My secret single behavior is that I leave dental floss in my shower after I'm done using it. So by the time I go to toss it in the garbage, maybe a few days, it's a little nest of used floss on that little shelf thing that's in the bathroom, in the shower. I've actually had to be more conscious of throwing my floss away, my used floss um, because I did find my daughter playing it with it one time in the bathtub, which is really fucking gross. So sorry, boo. Um, anyways, but yes, you heard that correctly. There is not one guest this episode. My first solo episode of the year. I've also been acting like a hermit. I felt like I needed some quality alone time to recharge. There's a lot of good stuff cooking in the Good Milf kitchen. So that's really exciting. One thing I have been pondering is why alone time and reflection is so important, especially when you're stressed, you know, that inner work that you have to do when you're not happy, essentially, you know. I know when I'm stressed, I retreat inward and kind of isolate myself. Um, yes, it's a trauma response. I am acknowledging that now. Anytime I do that, I realize like, yo, what something's going on with me. I need to figure it out. And according to science, um, isolation is from, well, isolation sounds so fucking negative. I don't want to call it isolation. I'm going to call it hibernation. So when I go into hibernation, it is because I was left alone to deal with my emotions as a child. No shade to my parents. My dad was military, always deployed. And my mom, well, she's fucking Asian. I'd say she's like a mid-level tiger mom. Um, mid-level because she worked a lot because my dad was also working. Um, I was a latchkey kid. And in a lot of Asian households, Emotions aren't really talked about. You didn't really say if you were sad or whatever the fuck. It's like that immigrant mentality where it's like, fuck your feelings, figure it out, do whatever it takes. Um, and that was my mom. That was always my mom's vibe was like, get shit fucking done, get good grades in school. My mom's a U.S. citizen now. Um, so sorry, racists. You can't deport her. Mid, I say she's a mid-level tiger mom too because um, she had to. She couldn't really beat us like how they used to do back in the day. Uh, she was raised Catholic, so I figure there's probably a lot of shit going on there in Catholicism um, where they beat the shit out of people to make them act right. Um, according to science, that's not a very good parenting strategy, but, you know, that's why I call her a mid-level tiger mom. Anyways... But I also found some other interesting tidbits about trauma responses and how they manifest from childhood. So being hyper-independent means basically that you were neglected and couldn't rely on your parents. That's me as well, hyper-independence. Um, no, again, no shade to my parents. They were always working, whatever. I had to figure it out on my own. Very, very hyper-independent. Um, if you're empathetic or an empath or whatever the fuck you call it, 
essentially you learn to read the room to stay safe because there were lots of unpredictable or explosive events happening around you. Um, addiction issues. Uh, that's because you have to escape reality. Um, also, too, if you go back in time, if you were very imaginative and lived this fantasy in your brain or was very playful, whatnot, um, that can possibly manifest into an addiction problem, you know, mostly if you were emotionally or physically abandoned by your parents. So that's always something to think about if you are struggling with any type of addiction issue. Um, also, fun fact, love has the same neural base as addiction. So science would say in order to cure addiction, you would have to find a new fix. Definitely an oversimplification of that. But looking at it on paper, that's what it reads. And there was one more trauma response that I really never even thought about as a trauma response, which is essentially reacting in a state of fear and being really indecisive or being always or always saying sorry for no fucking reason. And that comes from constant emotional, physical abuse for basic, basic mistakes that aren't, you know, that don't warrant that type of abuse as a consequence. Well, there shouldn't be any fucking abuse. One. Anyways. Uh, and ironically, well, it's actually not ironic. It's very fucking real. Therapists say that the emotions, traits, and behaviors we hate in our, in our parents will most likely live on in us. It's essentially this subconscious, unconscious way of loving them and keeping them around. Um, even if you don't get along with them, it's a way to bring them back in your lives or in our lives. I do it too. Um, hence the term generational trauma and why it's important to understand how to break those cycles. Um, you know, and it's not just emotional abuse or physical abuse that causes this generational trauma. It could be a, this is kind of dark, a sudden or violent death of a family member. Um, and honestly, poverty is an overlooked generational trauma. Um, and poverty is also systemic. So there's lots of other issues that we can go on tangents about, but I'm going to, um, you know, honestly, my life would be so much easier if my therapist could just like follow me around for like two fucking weeks. Like how dope would that be? I would literally just live my life. And if they could just observe and not talk to me for two weeks and let me live my life and then just tell me what's wrong with me and I'll fucking fix it. You know, um, I wonder how much that would cost because insurance would definitely not cover it anyways. Um, but yeah, loving thyself should always be the number one goal of your fucking day. However it is you love yourself, especially when your emotions are fluctuating into being like, it's like a emotional roller coaster, upset, lost, heartbroken, angry, whatever. I try to remember that emotions are natural, but it's just that an emotion. And by definition, emotion is just a reaction and it's fucking temporary. Emotions are temporary. Reactions are temporary and reactions can be controlled and for the most part, emotions can also be controlled. Well, let me not use control because that sounds very finite. Emotions, reactions can be managed. That's a better word. 
uh, they can be managed. It's completely possible. I mean, that's why there's behavioral therapy. But most importantly, I think it's important to realize that you can basically alchemize that emotion into something that's negative or positive. Um, I feel this happens a lot in creative projects, whatnot. We've all heard the saying, turn that negative into a positive, or if life hands you lemons, make lemoncello, um, or whatever the fuck, or lemonade, you know, same difference. Something that I do to take on the stresses of life and to help increase my mental strength, it's actually one of my favorite things to do. I write everything down that I'm worried about, that I'm stressed about. Work, life, relationship stuff, finances, whatever. And then I cross out all the things that I have no control over. And then I work on the ones that I can control. You know, try it out, see how it is. Hopefully it works for you. It really works for me. Um, it's something I try if when my friends call me and tell me uh, different things, I give them that little task to see if it works. Um but the science behind relieving stress and loving yourself, um, what's that shit they always say, especially after a breakup, you know, exercise, hang out with your friends, laugh, blah, blah, blah. Fuck all that shit. No one wants to do that when they're in a fuck, uh, when they're in a fuck, when they're in a funk. You know, I want to be sad for a little bit. I want to cry in the shower and listen to depressing music that makes me even fucking sadder. Um, and I found research that shows crying can help relieve stress. Have that good, ugly cry face session. It's okay to cry. My favorite benefit to crying is that it decreases the level of cortisol in your body. And cortisol is the hormone that can cause weight gain, high blood pressure, and mood swings. So no thank you to all three of those. What I'm getting from this, I'm synthesizing it into crying keeps you hot. It also said to eat foods high in omega-3 fatty acids, you know, to decrease the cortisol. So this is essentially like sushi and avocado. Done. Anyways, crying keeps you hot. Get that ugly cry out. You know, I've always wanted to go to a rage room too, but and I've never been. Going back to hormones and stress, I love the sayings, like I think there's three of them. High on life, love is blind, and digmatized. All three statements theoretically contain the same chemical concoction in your body, in your brain, whatever. It's like dopamine, oxytocin, estrogen, testosterone, adrenaline, all those little fun things. And all those chemicals are needed to feel as if you are in love. And you can pump these through your body in various ways without booty calling your ex. And it's called chemical conditioning. It's very similar to detoxing for substance abuse. Um, like I was saying earlier, it's a, that's a very simple or that's a oversimplification um, of it. But it for me, it's worked. So to effectively activate the love potion within all of us, this is what I synthesized. I keep saying synthesized. I'm so sorry. I'll think of another word. But these are the three, these are the three things that I felt were easy to effectively activate the love potion within all of us. One, don't be a little bitch. Two, give long hugs. 
of course, only to the people you love. Like, don't be just hugging everyone every, every fucking where. Like, fuck that. That's fucking COVID times. No, thank you. And imp- most importantly, be outside in nature and the sunshine. Like, literally, the sun is the reason all living things on this planet are actually alive. It is the most important source of energy for life on Earth. So I'm going to repeat it again. Don't be a little bitch. Give long hugs and be in the sunshine, whatever that is. That gets all those fucking chemicals fucking going. But I also interpret this as putting yourself first. Because when you put yourself first and you make decisions where you'll be the happiest and you're fucking happy, it's magnetic. It's a fucking contagious. You glow different and it's a ripple effect on everyone around you. Some people won't like it because you're going to set up boundaries because, hello, you're putting yourself first. But fuck them. That's a good thing if they walk away because you you only want to maintain and attract healthy relationships. And relationship emotion dynamic, I don't know if I'm saying this right, stems from three areas. So when you're in a relationship with someone, your reactions will will derive from these three areas healthy survival or trauma. And any of these can happen more than once in a relationship. Um, For example, so, you know, we all argue, when we argue, we argue with the ones we love the most. Um, Because those are the ones that are worth, those are the relationships worth fighting for. But most of the time, a trauma response will trigger the trauma response in another person. It doesn't matter how big or how little it is. You know, just like I said earlier, we argue with the ones we love the most because we're, you know, triggering each other. God, that sounds fucking weird. Anyway, so responding from a trauma response will trigger the trauma response in your partner. I mean, unless they've already been to therapy, but, you know, whatever. The healthy, though, um, The healthy and the survival part in you is also attracted and responds to the healthy and survival part in others. It honestly just depends on what you want to water and how well those uncomfortable restructuring conversations go after the argument. Um, I mean, think about that super toxic relationship that took you a while to get out of or like every fucking guy or girl that you let lick your butthole. Reflecting back, you could now see the red flags that were there on first contact. Like they're literally releasing from their lungs as they exhale. I'm not even lying. Like just the way someone fucking breathes can be a goddamn red flag. Anyways, I digress. But yeah, we've all been in that type of toxic situation where we're attracted to that fucking toxic energy, the red flags. It's so fucking hot and sexy. We've all been there. Um, But when that person you had on the pedestal falls off that pedestal, and as you regain consciousness from being digmatized, you realize you're the one that made them special. Your emotions and your energy is what had that person on a pedestal, nothing else. Because in reality, they're just community dick. Um, And why would you want community dick? Would you fucking use a community dildo? I don't fucking think so, because I fucking would not. That's fucking weird. 
And anyway, plus community dick sounds like a fucking generic brand. And who wants generic dick? Not I. And honestly, have you ever had generic ice cream? Totally doesn't taste the same as Ben and Jerry's. And I want Ben and Jerry's dick. You know what I'm saying? There's like an analogy there somewhere. Um, but I also figured out another way to get a man to stop make, making advances towards you. Um, I'm sure this could be used towards women too. You know, it's the guy that doesn't take no for an answer or is like creepily persistent. Um, it's also the perfect response to the, uh, to the question, you know, on the dating apps. I actually fucking hate this question. What are you looking for? You know what you're going to do? You're going to ask that fucking person for fucking money. Legit, 100% success rate. You know, but make it funny. Make it quirky. So I thought of this. <clears throat> you're going to send them one of those pyramid scheme texts. It's going to go just like this. Hey, boss, babe. I don't care if it's a fucking dude. I have an incredible opportunity for five motivated community dicks. Are you ready to jump on this fucking train? Works every time. And since I've done this to a specific subgroup of men, I am 10 out of 10 confident that they will not contact you again. Because I haven't been contacted again by these specific subset of men that I have done my little pyramid scheme text to. No responses. It's been fucking amazing. But anyways, it's fucking tax season time anyway. So when you ask for that money, ask for several hundred dollars. I mean, shit, be a gold digger. Go for a few thousand. Make him think that you think he's that motherfucking dude like he's got it. I mean, he might actually got it. He might have a couple thousand stacked away. Hello, he just got his tax return if he gets him. I don't know how that works. I mean, and he might actually got it. And if he does, he's he'll give it to you if he wants to. Remember, if a guy wants to do something, he's going to fucking do it. It doesn't matter what the fuck it is. So he might give it to you, but then he also might not. And then when he doesn't give it to you, it's going to be for some weird fucking, I mean, he might actually got it and then he'll give it to you or then he doesn't give it to you. But either way, you don't lose one side of the hand. You just keep getting more money from him until he dies or he says no. And then he stops bothering you. Um, either way, you fucking win. And what's to lose? Your dignity? No. <laughs> okay. If a guy doesn't get a clue or refuses to acknowledge your nose, he already doesn't respect you, which is a fucking red flag. Be careful of predatory persistence in the guise of romance. Okay, end of rant. And it's funny, I wanted to, I stopped myself from talking more about it because I didn't want to seem overzealous or be advocating to go all Tinder swindler on them. Um, I'm honestly just encouraging exploiting the predatory dumbass fucking dudes by making the patriarchy work for you. And that's actually a presidential slogan. I'm not even gonna lie. The good milf for president 2024. Make the patriarchy work for you. I like that. Let me write that down. That's definitely going to be my motto. Also, fun fact, there is actually a lot of overly sexual presidential slogans in history. There was this fucking guy during the Prohibition era, don't remember his name. His fucking presidential slogan that he ran on was make your wet dreams come true. Obviously, he didn't win because I don't know his fucking name. But some other wildly sexual political campaign slogans, Richard Nixon's uh, from like, I guess, his 
people, they can't lick our dick. That was a legitimate fucking button that they wore back in those days. And Jimmy Carter, I think when he was running for, um, not president, but for, it was like a political campaign. His slogan was peaches and cream. I loved it. I love that. I think it's fucking hilarious. But anyway, my first order of business as president will be social and emotional education for every fucking person in the United States of America. Like you will need to take this course in order to get your fucking driver's license. Firmly believe this. I mean, research has already shown that everyone should understand how to navigate emotions. It's like there, I feel like there's like less empathy and compassion in the world and world right now. And honestly, I think it's partially due to less physical human contact. Um, The pandemic, everything's digital. It's the robotics age of algorithm. Research has already shown that too much screen time for children inhibits their ability to read body language, read micro expressions and learn social skills. So social and emotional learning is definitely going to have to be in the forefront of something for humans in America, or I mean, on earth, whatever. I don't fucking know. But everyone needs to fucking Google social and emotional learning, take a fucking test, see what you need to learn about about yourself. Um, Just Google it. Or talk to your therapist. One of those. Um, also, I'm researching sex workers for a, a future episode. And I couldn't really identify why selling pussy was made illegal. Because um, honestly, it was just really looked down upon until like World War II. Um, it was a very hush-hush community. And it was because the French closed all the brothel, brothels in France after the war because the Nazis had seized control and they had forced women into human trafficking. After the French took back over, they closed those brothels and the women that were part of those brothels were labeled as conspirators um, just because their associations with the Nazis and they were dragged into the streets. They were, their heads were shaved and they were, had swastikas carved into their faces that's fucking wild. Um, this conversation could quickly go into the military prostitution complex and human trafficking. While my ideals align with the Swedish model, which where buying sex is criminalized and not the actual selling of sex. Prostitution is essentially the child of a threesome. And that threesome includes the patriarchy, imperialism, and colonizers. Don't believe me? Look it up. Also make sure that research is peer-reviewed, please. Um, but I'm going to keep it light for this first solo episode. We're going to dive deep into sex workers and prostitution in a, in a future episode. So stay tuned for that also. You know, one main thing when it comes to threesomes, I do firmly believe that if you're going to have a threesome, the third party should be a professional. Um, just so it doesn't get weird later. Also, fun fact, I was recently asked to participate in a threesome with a couple. Um, Most of the time when couples hit on me, it's like at a bar at some type of event. Um, But this one was a little bit different. This couple slid into my DMs. They are mutual friends of mutual friends of mutual friends. I've seen them around. But 
being the investigative sexual anthropologist I am, self-proclaimed, obviously, I have to ask questions. Hello. But before I could even ask anything, they hit me with the, yeah, we had a girlfriend for about 10 months. What? Excuse me? Girlfriend? What the fuck is going on? Honestly, because I don't even want to participate in a regular relationship with one person. I don't know what anyone, why anyone would want to be in a relationship with multiple people that fucking know about each other. Like, I can't deal. I can't handle it. I just have, like, I'm like a, what do you call that? I'm like a free spirit when it comes to my life. I have so many different things going on and I go in and out of different shit. I don't know. Anyways. But like I said, I asked what happened to the last girlfriend? Why'd she only last 10 months? What have you learned over the years about what works in a multi-person relationship dynamic? What doesn't work? How do you two pick the third party? I feel like they have some kind of PowerPoint presentation at their house while the wife goes through the potential recruits and is like, no, no, maybe, yes, no. Um, I just feel like that would be an ideal way to um, find a third, but I don't know. Um, Is there a safe word? What do we do? Like, I have no idea what's going on. But anyways, um, all of these throuple relationships I have seen have not ended well. I've always been an outsider looking in in these types of relationships. But according to this couple, it is possible for it to work very well. It has for them. Part of their pitch to me about this potential entanglement was that they both felt it helped strengthen the relationship between them. Which as a woman who has only been in monogamous relationships, on my part anyway, um, I'm thinking... So homegirl has never been jealous, like at all, ever, nothing. And I really find that so hard to believe. Well, for me anyway. And I'm so curious. And I literally have a front row seat. Um, I did not tell them yes, but I also did not tell them no. And of course, when I say that to this couple, they respond, it's for your podcast, isn't it? And I'm like, duh. What the fuck? Why else would I entertain this? I mean, shit, I don't know. Maybe I'll have a threesome. Who the fuck knows? But I am going to definitely find the fucking details here. Um, Based on past conversations I've had with people in ethically non-monogamous relationships um, and the reasons why they stopped and or why the people went their separate ways, the core issue is usually about jealousy Um, And I want to see what makes this couple different. I want to see what makes them tick. So what makes them different from other throuples I've known? We're also going to dive deeper on this in a future episode because, I mean, duh, this is the Good Mill podcast. What's a little group sex and relationship talk? Uh, They've somewhat agreed to talk to me about this, but we're still working out the details, so stay tuned. Um, but if you're a hopeless romantic and you're not just out looking to get your genitals licked, um, you do need to be out and about. No one's going to find you on your living room couch watching Netflix or Hulu with your glass of wine and takeout, except a fucking serial killer. 
So you need to be going out and about and finding people. And that's another thing a lot of, I get a lot of uh, questions about, about people not being able to find the right people to go on dates with. So here's a life hack. You're going to go on dates with every fucking one. Anybody you match with, anyone you vibe with, they ask you out, you're going to go. Because remember, in a brain scan, love and addiction react similar in terms of brain chemical makeup and whatnot. And like I just said earlier, I don't remember when, um, earlier this episode, obviously, to overcome an addiction, science says you need to find a new one, a new addiction, a new addiction. So the best way to boost those chemicals, I feel, um, go on the dating apps. Want to feel pretty? Go on the dating apps. Want to talk shit and vent to strangers? Go on the dating apps. Want to meet people? Go on the dating apps. Um, I know. Yeah, you're fucking traumatized from your fucking breakup. Honestly, what are you to fucking, what's there to fucking lose? You're already fucking single. Tell that to your hinge match. You know, yeah, I just broke up with someone. Vent to them. Who fucking cares? What's the worst that they're going to do? What? You don't want someone to know you're sad or that some guy, you know, some guy you match with that you don't even know if he's a real person yet. What? You don't want him to ghost you. Who fucking cares? All the guys I've ghosted or I've been or all the guys that have ghosted me. I don't even remember their fucking names or let alone what they look like. Who cares? Let it out, vent, fuck it. Who gives a shit? I've been saying wild shit to guys on Hinge like this whole fucking time. And literally not one of them have given a fuck. Live a little. Put it in your bio that you just broke up with someone. Fuck it. Who fucking cares? Um, but if dating apps are not your thing, you're going to have to get a wingman or wingwoman. You got to do this. Hit me up. I'm a fucking dope ass wingwoman. Anyways. Once you hook, line, and sinker and you have that date um, and you decide to act within social norms because, well, you like this one, um, you have to kind of foster the lust. So when a guy or woman swipes yes or um, on the app or likes your shit, I don't, you know, however, whatever app you're on, um, it's automatic. They're automatic. Well, I know I am. I'm automatically telling you, yeah, I might fuck you if you act right. This level of attention is called lust, particularly physical, sexual, all that. Uh, next up is attraction. And the formula for creating attraction that's worked for me from going from lust to attraction um, is to be hot and mysterious. It's a very easy combo. I'm going to tell you how to do it. These are my tried and true methods. Let the other person do most of the talking and ask open-ended questions. You're going to act like you give a fuck because you do, you know, so that means you have to listen, really listen, active listening. At an event or party, leave early. If you're on the phone texting or having a little bar talk, leave at the height of the convo. I know it's going to be wild that you're leaving at the height of the convo and everything's going right. But this, if this is like the first few times you're meeting this person, that is what you're going to do. Um, be vague. Less is always more. Disappear off social media every once in a while. And this is a fun one. Pay in cash. I actually never thought about this. 
Um, and I know it's kind of random, but anytime I see someone paying in cash, I'm like, damn, like, where are you getting this paper money from? Why don't you have a debit card? Are you a fucking spy, a fucking organ harvester or a stripper? What is it? Paying for shit in cash is still one of the, I think now in this like modern 2022 era where everything is digitized, paying for cash is like wild to me. Um, Anyways, to turn attraction to companionship, you have to be able to increase um, the oxytocin and vasopressin in your body. And these chemicals are located in your brain, specifically the hypothalamus. So, and to increase these uh, chemicals, hormones, whatnot, give hugs, be hot, be mysterious. Also, don't ever share all your cards at once. I know when people are like, you're on, you're on a first date, you're telling your fucking life story. No, you're not going to be doing the talking. You're going to ask open question, open-ended questions about the other person. Or when they ask you questions, be a little vague, you know, maybe tell them one really cool thing about you, but don't tell all the cool things about you. Cause that's fucking whack. That's fucking, what do you call that? Um, I can't think of the fucking word right now, but don't share everything about yourself that you're proud of. Don't, don't show all your cards at once. Be mysterious. Um, also if you want to hit on a guy or girl, the number one pickup line that I use tried and true number one, I'm going to give it to you guys. Have we worked together before? Dead ass. That's all you really have to say. One, it's non-sexual. Two, it opens up different avenues of conversation. You know, you'll talk about the job. Maybe you'll start talking about hobbies. You know, there's so many different branches of conversation that that question can open up. And number one, you're, or number three, <laughs> number one was it was non-sexual. Number three, you're the one initiating the convo. The other person's going to be fucking relieved that they don't have to make the first move. Humans can be natural energy matchers. You know, throw in some mirroring and adrenaline and you got a recipe for love, baby. Adrenaline, I think, is one of the most important factors when you're first meeting someone. Because, you know, you get that butterfly in your stomach type reaction. Um, and it is this, uh, it is a fast track to that love while you're on a date. So usually my advice to someone that wants to wow someone else on a date would be to get the adrenaline pumping, go to a theme park, ride roller coasters together, skydive, whatever it is. But adrenaline will fast track um, attraction. Uh, Okay, here. So we're going to do a little recap because we're almost done here. Um, How to increase the happy love hormones. Remember, serotonin, you want to be outside, you want to be in the sunshine. Oxytocin, touch, that's where the hugs come from. Long hugs, you know. Uh, Endorphins, dopamine, adrenaline. You need exercise, excitement, and laughter. So be in the sunshine. Give hugs. Exercise, do something exciting, and laugh a lot. And you can do these on your own. You don't need external stimuli. You know what I mean? You can do all of these di- different things by yourself. 
I mean, you can't really, well, I mean, yeah, you can hug yourself, but you need to hug other people, hug your fucking mama, hug your aunt, hug your cousins, hug your brothers, sisters, best friends, hug them. Um, definitely not the same as being in a relationship, but we're talking about loving ourselves right now. All right. And another quick hack to increase adrenaline in your body. Um, this is actually a toxic method to increase your adrenaline, but you can do this. Do I recommend it? No, because you should trust your partner. If you feel the need to do this, there should be an uncomfortable conversation for you guys to grow from. A way to increase the adrenaline in your body is to, you might want to be by a rage room at one of these uh, when you do this. You can check to see who's, who's used the Wi-Fi at your partner's house um, or at the house of the person you're fucking. But you do need to have access to their router, their internet router. Um, a simple way to do this is to type the IP address into the browser and follow the prompts. Uh, you can get a log. You'll eventually get to a place where you'll have a log of all the devices that have ever been connected to that router. And you don't have to be in that person's house. You can do this remotely, actually. Hence why I said be near a rage room when this happens so that you can let it all out there, get your good cry in and move the fuck on. If my directions confused you on how to do this, um, Google it. I'm sure there is a DIY YouTube video on how to check the log devices on your router. Um, but that's there. And that is one way to get your adrenaline pumping. Um, that's it for this week. Love yourself. Love thyself. Put yourself first. I think it is probably the number one thing you can do to create and foster happier times in your life. Always put yourself first. That's it for this week, kids. Mama knows best, like always. If you have any questions, shoot me a DM um, on Instagram, insta.krista or the good milf. It doesn't matter either or lots of cool stuff coming up this next few months. I'm so excited. And it's getting warmer. I fucking hate winter. I hate the snow. I hate being cold. See you next week. You've been listening to the Good Milf Podcast. Join us every Monday as Krista talks shit and gives free advice based on firsthand experiences and scientific research. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and follow us on all platforms. Visit www.thegoodmilf.com for our latest updates and merch.